Hello and welcome along to the podcast. It is Friday, June the 5th, day after my 39th birthday. I hope you're well. I hope the situation around lockdown, both health, financial, anxiety, I hope everything is going well for you and I hope that you can kind of continue to progress in this time. For people listening back to this in the future, at the current situation in the UK where I'm recording this podcast in the west of England, in Cheltenham the lockdown restrictions have been restricted to the point you can meet or there can be a gathering of six people from different households albeit outside which has enabled several of us in the past couple of weeks and certainly myself to meet with family including my father Dr Mark Draper and kind of get his take on the current situation which is encouraging because he hasn't had any coronavirus confirmed cases in weeks and indeed the uh, hub centres to evaluate people with symptoms been kind of largely empty at the moment in Gloucestershire so it's interesting that that's an, an encouraging that that's happening clearly with the asymptomatic complexity of, of coronavirus with so many people not displaying symptoms it's it's tricky not that I'm a doctor uh, great to have you here welcome to the podcast sponsored by Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV who are housed in the same shop the store in Montpellier in the courtyard specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Jason Briggs and his team, good people, good kit. Of course, Bang Olufsen, a legacy brand, historic quality sound equipment. Loving my headphones, the H4 headphones from Bang Olufsen. I'm also um, going to get Jason on next week. He's a Manchester United fan. A few years my senior, not much, but give a different perspective to being a Manchester United fan in the pre glory era of the 1990s and what that was like for him as a, a young a young boy and a young man. I'm also uh, bringing the podcast to you in association with Cytoplan. I know that some people have been following up and ordering supplements through Cytoplan, food-based supplements that are digested like food. Now, don't take my word for it. Again, I'm, I'm not a doctor uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but my father is a micronutritionist and GP general practitioner in the UK and been working with Cytoplan for a number of years to develop supplements. One he recommends in particular, which is of particular relevance at the moment as we look to boost and build our immunity. It's not really been a public discussion. I know there's been the focus understandably on the immediate uh, reality of of washing hands and keeping social distance to to kind of curtail the spread of coronavirus, but actually long-term, I suppose that the building blocks of of our ability to fight such viruses and flu and colds and and regular stuff is our immune system and trying to optimise that. And he believes in a a supplement in particular called Immunovite, I-M-M-U-N-O-V-Y-T-E, which is provided by a company called Cytoplan. Their website is cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. And if you go there, if you want some Immunovite or you want another supplement, my father's particularly... Uh, believes in the importance of selenium for people in the UK because it's depleted in our soils relatively. It wasn't ever particularly high, but since the industrial agricultural revolution of the past um, 50 years, so the mechanical kind of revolution and the over perhaps plowing of, of soil and stuff, he believes it's particularly low. Selenium or foundation formula is one that he recommends as well as a kind of multivitamin. He, uh, You can get a discount, cytoplan.co.uk, Draper10, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R-10, um, Anyway, I hope you will. I hope this helps as well. This is something dealing with positive psychology. James Pope, fascinating character, actually a father at the school where my daughter goes as well. Got chatting to him last summer, been in contact with him throughout, wanted to get him on the podcast. Believes in positive psychology, actually acts as a consultant now, was a former headmaster on a show, I believe, called School. 
uh, detailing the stress for people in those positions of headmaster, now works as a consultant dealing with the military, police, different people. I'm not sure how much you can talk about individual cases, but certainly that ability to focus and perform in situations of either historic anxiety or current anxiety and, and things that are detracting from our performance, I think is relevant to us all as we try and plough ahead and work and find new ways of working amidst this very uncertain and anxiety-inducing time. I hope you enjoy this, guys. Uh, James Pope, here we go. Thank you. Hello, James. Hi, Ed. How are you? Oh, I'm, you've, you've, I'm good. You've, you've navigated the latest challenge of uh, the <laughs> pandemic. Well done. <laughs> it's a new a new platform every day, Ed. A I new know. Platform every day. I know. It's well. It's great to speak to you. How how are things? How's the back to school week for, for you been? Yeah, good. Actually, the kids have had a great time. So we've got uh, Henry is doing a couple of days a week because he's in his actual year group class. But Martha and Bertie are in the key workers group. Yeah. So they've they've done the full week. So. Um, yeah, no, they've had a really good week, actually. I, I yeah. think they've, they've just enjoyed being back, if I'm honest. How about you? Yeah, yeah, Zoe, I mean, probably an indictment of our, our homeschooling, but she's been chomping at the bit to get back for the <laughs> past few weeks. So we're really encouraged, even if it's slightly surreal, because she's obviously in, re- in reception as well, and she's um, doing two days a week, Thursdays and Fridays, but she seems to have loved it. She seems to have been quite happy with the reduced numbers and they're in a slightly yeah. different classroom but she as an only child I think particularly she was very keen to get back and have some some child interaction and I think they've the school that obviously our kids go to primary school has been really really positive with how they've handled it I think and not not too alarming for the kids or anything whilst being you know pretty sensible about how they do the drop-offs and pickups and things like that so it's, yeah um, I agree it's been yeah. good but I mean, you must you, you, you must have a particular insight though on on kids being a a former headmaster and your wife being a teacher as well and headmaster head sort of teacher about the insight to the kids i suppose because it's been a, a challenging time for them i think that's been a big consideration for all of us is trying to make it as normal for them as possible yeah i think so and I, I, I think it's you know what what makes it particularly difficult is it's you know the word unprecedented gets used a lot mm. um you know but because it is unprecedented you, you know it's as a as a sort of head teacher school leader you're sort of beset by interesting problems every day but during this Hmm. period of time it's been you know that's been magnified and exaggerated and you know there's no there's no source material to refer back to you know there's no there's no prior um there's no prior examples of this kind of uh, context and situation so Hmm. you know you're sort of you're, you're relying on your experience you're relying on your networks Mm. Um, you know, to help to help you make those decisions. But I think, you know, all of the schools that I work with have, um, you know, and indeed the school that my children go to, you know, they've just they, they've just worked really hard to ensure that, um, you know, children feel looked after. And I think the, the mental health and well-being of the community, so the children and the parents, has been foremost mm. in 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 everybody's minds in her teachers minds you know so looking after their own staff but looking after the kids looking after the parents and mm. just trying to steer away through but it's you know it's complex um you know as all industries are finding i think it's complex and it's you know the guidance the guidance hasn't always been the best and it's changed on a sort of daily basis which has made it difficult i think mm. but yeah i think i think schools are you know both in the in the lockdown period but now as as more children come back in you know, schools are schools are doing the best that they can by their communities in in really challenging circumstances. It's, yeah, um, yeah, it's been a difficult a difficult time. Um, 
you know, but first and foremost has to be people's safety. And and that in itself is, you know, that's thrown up some interesting, I think some some interesting things for schools. You know, there's been a real obsession for the over the last decade and, and probably beyond that before that around you know results and outcomes and you know mm. measuring measuring what children do and i think what this yeah. what this particular sec- sort of period of time has highlighted is that is that actually you know there is another role that schools play and perhaps that role is more important mm. um, you know which is looking after the well-being of their community and actually being a real center of the community Mm. Um, you know, and lots, lots of schools that I know, you know, have just been in fantastic work getting, getting food out to families and, you know, looking wow. after key workers, children, um, you know, and I think there is a, there is a bit of just because of the way that people talk about it, there is a bit of a myth that, you know, schools were closed, actually schools were open. And in some regards, they were more open than they normally are because, you know, mm. a lot of school leaders, a lot of schools are working at weekends, you know, supporting key workers, children at weekends and, um, you know, during the during the sort of holiday period, so it, it's been a it's been an incredibly you know stressful time, but actually interestingly, talking to a lot of heads, they, you know, it's also been an incredibly rewarding time. Yeah, um, is it is it been a sort of reclarification of the role? Is it, it, because my my father's a GP and my brother's a GP, and they've said that the government has relaxed a lot of the bureaucracy, the paperwork over this over this period so it's quite interesting that, that maybe that's we're kind of appreciating what really matters in the in the work in these spheres and with teachers perhaps do you think there'll be less sort of hoop jumping in the future maybe well you know i would i would hope so and you know there's a lot of um there's a lot of stuff that's been written and there's a lot been said around around that very issue you know actually you know as as you phrased it what matters Mm. Actually, you know, what, what do our schools do and, and what really matters? And yet nobody's saying that outcomes aren't important and we want our children to achieve the best that they can in school. Yeah. But actually there's a, there's a whole other load of work that has to happen before you can achieve that. Um, mm. And yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that's been different is, you know, the, the accountability uh, system, you know, schools accountability system, Ofsted have, you know, very much and quite rightly taken a back seat yeah, um, and sort of vacated the space, which was absolutely the right thing to do. And actually, you know, in some in some regards, I think that's given head teachers permission to you know lead without fear, mm. um, and and you know the fear of of getting it wrong or or being judged to have got it wrong. You know, because Ofsted come in and say, you know, why did you do that? That's not happening. Mm. Um, so I think there is there is the potential within everything for us to rethink as communities for us to rethink what we want from our schools and what is important. Yeah. Um, how, they, how they use their time and energy, isn't it? Which seems to yeah. be the, the key, the key question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but, but part of that is then, you know, sort of getting back to some sort of sense of normality. Um, mm. and, and of course in, in that process of, of course you go back to what you know. So mm. it's, it's sort of trying to build something, it's sort of trying to build something new. Um, and something different and something which is perhaps more rewarding to work in, but is also actually more rewarding for the children and the parents and the community, mm. um, you know, whilst, whilst sort of steering your way back to, you know, some sense of normality, however long that's going to take, because we don't know, you know, the next school year is likely to be incredibly disrupted. Mm. Um, you know, this isn't, this isn't an issue that's going to have finished by the end of July. 
No. Um, and, and then, you know, we come back in at the start of the new school year in September and everything's fixed. We know that we're going to have social distancing for probably most of the next year. Mm. Um, and that creates, you know, that creates challenges, as you know, you know, for our children's school. Yeah. You know, they're a small Victorian building. Um, they've got, I think, um, you know, they've, they've got probably less than half of the children back in the building. But yeah. in terms of the available spaces, they're now at capacity. Mm. So actually, you know, how you, how how a school is going to manage that next year, um, you know, with with all children potentially coming back or having to come back at some point. Yeah. Actually, the, you know, there's some real logistics issues. Just where are you going to put them? Yeah. And what um, you, yeah. It's amazing what you say, because obviously the head teachers, the schools, all of us in, in regular life are, are dealing with a very uncertain and, as you say, unprecedented situation without really consensus opinion on the nature of coronavirus even amongst epidemiologists and uh, doctors and, and sort of health advisors there's still a lot of unknowns around the sort of virus how it how it communicates who's susceptible to it what the long-term effects may be even if they're mild in the acute phase of it what the long-term impact of it is. so we've got all these factors to to weigh up but James just give us a background to how you came into the the business of consulting and, and, and trying to help people in stressful situations psychologically. What was your, your background? So obviously I, I mentioned in the intro that you, you worked and featured in a documentary on the BBC about your role as a, a head teacher in a, I suppose, quote unquote, troubled school. Yeah. Um, was, was the, it, but the psychological aspect of it is presumably something that you were cognizant of for a, for a while in that, in that role, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I was a I was a head teacher for four years, and they were they were four you know incredibly rewarding and enjoyable years. But I think that the the point for me is, you know, they they took their toll, um, you know, mm. sort of physically, physically and psychologically. And I, and I think you know you don't you don't become a head teacher without recognizing that that, you know, it has a demand. Mm. Um, you know, it it. it it becomes, you know, like lots of jobs do. It's not just it's not just headship, but it becomes all consuming. Mm. Um, and it and it, you know, it's it's a sort of deeply personal thing. I used to describe my school as my as my fifth child, <laughs> um, you know, because it because that's the way that it feels. You know, you mm. care you care deeply about the community, you care deeply about your staff and the children, um, and you know, you want to, you want to do the best by them. But it was. Yeah, it was a you know it was a it was a challenging context, you know, of which there are many others. So it wasn't it wasn't uniquely challenging, but mm. you know, I think one of the things that was unique about it was that was the financial situation that the school was in. Yeah, um, and you know, uh, you're a head teacher, and you recognise that you you have to do work, you know, other than sort of focusing on learning and education. There are you know, there are a broad range of things that come with the job. You are managing what's ultimately a fairly large organization yeah, uh, with a large number of employees. Um, but, you know, a lot of that four years was spent sort of steering the school, you know, through a, through a transition phase. It had been a very large secondary, uh, secondary school, you know, with, with up to 1300 children in the past, mm. but the, the local area demographics and the, and the catchment area had, had changed quite significantly over a period of time that meant that we were, you know, we were we were looking at a school that was going to end up being sort of 500, 600 children. Wow, big difference. Um, and that's a big difference. And, and with the big difference, you know, it becomes um, you have to transition the financial situation. So, you know, schools are funded on a they're funded on a per pupil basis. So less pupils essentially means less money. 
Mm. Um, and and not only that, but it was also, you know, South Gloucestershire, where the school was, was, you know, one of the lowest funded local authorities in the country. Um, so we, we had that to deal with. And it obviously also during a period of austerity. So where schools were being asked to save money. Yeah. Um, so, so those sort of three things came together meant that, you know, we had to save every year. We had to save sort of extraordinary sums of money. Yeah. Um, and, in, you know, in total, it was nearly three million pounds over four years. Yeah. Um, which was which essentially was we had to save over sort of fifty percent of the school budget when I arrived. Wow! Um, and that you know that that creates that creates a set of challenges. Um, also, we needed to improve the quality of the education experience of the children. Yeah, um, you know which the which everybody was up for. The staff and the community were really up for. And, but how, you know, how, we, how do you do that with the yeah the reduced yeah, resources? Yeah, at, at the same time having to reduce resources. So. Um, you know, but we, you know, we were getting there and we were making progress with it. Um, the community, uh, you know, were sort of overwhelmingly positive about the stuff that we'd done mm. and the staff, the staff were brilliant as were the kids. Um, but towards the end of, to, you know, in the, in the last year of my time there, Ofsted came and, you know, they decided that actually there was a different, uh, a different narrative yeah. Um, and, you know, they they put the school in special measures that, you know, will will be always something that I would disagree with. And I think the community very much disagreed with because they'd, they'd seen the school improve, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, in you know, so we had that to deal with in the last year. And um, at the same time, um, you know, we still had to save money. So in that last year, I had to save nine hundred thousand pounds in that final year. Um, wow. And that's you know, and we had the TV cameras there. Uh, not that they, not that they were a distraction, but yeah. you know that that's what was captured for the documentary. Were the, you know were the challenges of well, just just how do you do that? Yeah, that's an extra and, stress on you as well of having cameras, isn't it? And a sort of perception of, of being directly observed like that. I suppose added into all the the complexity of, of yeah, the, not, yeah, yeah, not massively actually. I think no. you know the, the the production company, you know, they they previously and and still do, you know, they work on the hospital series for BBC Two as well. Oh, okay. And they, you know, they're really experienced, and you know, it, it's not like some of the other schools in or some of the other TV programs in education where there are there are sort of cameras everywhere. It was very, you know, it was very sort of direct to led um, mm. camera work. So they weren't there all of the time. You weren't always being observed. Mm. um you know so uh, yeah but you know what they what they what they were trying to capture was the complexity and the difficulty mm. um that we were experiencing in the financial situation yeah um you know which you, you know is is copied and therefore relevant in lots of other schools and continues to be so you know it's now nearly two years since i left mm. and if anything that the situation has become more challenging for more schools Mm. um so yeah that you know that that all took its toll and 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 towards the end of that period of time i you know recognized in myself that you know i was spending less time with um you know always they would my family would say i, I didn't spend a lot of time with them anyway because i was working <laughs> um you yeah. know but it, you know that was i was increasingly feeling that and there were periods yeah. of time where certainly my youngest child i was i was very rarely seeing and so I sort of, I, I sort of left, um, you know, with a desire to set a sort of a, a head teacher's network up, yeah, a school leader's network up, but a, you know, a network of people who were, um, who felt like I did that actually there was there were a couple of things that are just fundamentally wrong, yeah. with you know the way we deal with more challenging schools in our system, whether that mm. challenge is educational or whether it's financial. 
uh, whatever that might be, that actually, you know, we're, we're not dealing with it in the right way. Um, yes. And, yeah. and a key part of that was, um, you know, in my own kind of you know, uh, post-traumatic growth, we call it in our coaching model, <laughs> yeah. you know, in my own sort of post-traumatic growth, you know, recognizing the impacts that, that that had on me, but also recognizing the impacts that it has on others. So with a real desire to, you know, create a ne- network of, of head teachers and leaders that support each other, mm. but, but have got the appropriate sort of psychology, positive psychology tools to do that. Yeah. Well, the podcast is called Sport and Life. And it's interesting, because I suppose, in sport and life, a lot of times we're trying to have maximum performance to, to be clear to execute but then we do have these stresses and the emotional sort of influence on us that can limit us sometimes as you say once you come out of a stressful situation at a time obviously you look back and think wow i should have done this or, or <laughs> thought that or but at the time it's very hard to get that that clarity isn't it? is that what came from from you you just think that that's the the key for head teachers is being able to not be consumed by guilt over the reductions or or whatever yeah. it might be or the sense of responsibility for so many people and the complexity of, of that when you're having to let people down in a sense because of the the budget cuts and, and and so on and so forth and still be able to every day show up and feel fresh and and like maybe switch off like you were saying how that becomes a difficult thing for your mind to ever refresh in those situations yeah i think you know that's the the notion of sort of decompressing i think is you know is is really interesting actually and it, it can be really difficult and you know one of the issues that we explored with the tv pro i mean one of the issues everybody's been to school so everybody has an opinion about schools mm. Um, you know, but the but the reality is, that, you know, everybody in schools works incredibly hard, and you know, it's a it's a it's an incredibly rewarding but unenjoyable job. But you know, it it like like most jobs, it's you know, it's pretty full on. Yeah. Um. And and that notion of sort of decompressing and getting some space away, um, you know, is something that can be really difficult to achieve. Yeah. Um. You know, especially when you're leading the community. And, you know, and you, you're dealing with all the complexities of leading the community. And I'm, I'm, I was really conscious of that. And, I, th- I, you know, I used to think I was really good at it. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's that's part of the issue is that you don't you don't recognize. And I'm, I'm, sure this is, I'm sure this is also true in sport. But, mm. you know, you don't recognize, as you say, the toll that it's taking, mm. um, you know, in little micro ways on a, on a daily basis. You don't recognize that. Um, so, uh, you know, with our with our coaching work, you know, what what we're looking to do is create a sort of maintenance coaching, which, you know, keeps people fresh, as you call it, on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, and, and creates that decompression time and creates that space whilst also helping them to deal with, you know, particularly stressful periods of time um, or, or experiences from their past. Mm. Yeah. And I think one of the one of the issues is is that is that we don't do that very well because you know mental health, mental health and well being and looking after ourselves in that way, um, you know the the way that we tend to deal with that and have tended to deal with that in society is very much in a reactive way. So yeah. we wait we wait for somebody to break and mm. then we try and fix them. Well, our you know <laughs> our passion is to well let's avoid the breaking in the first place. Um, yes. And and to do that, you know, coaching has a has a very particular role in that, we feel. And the yeah. positive psychology model that we've got, um, you know, through the through the company that I that I work with in Arama, mm. you know, is is doing that in lots of different sectors. It doesn't just do it in education, it does it with the it does it with the police, we do it with the military. Um and and it would be interesting to see how that works and plays out with sports because I'm sure there's lots of 
synergies and similarities to the you know the peaks and troughs yeah. that sports people go through in their you know in their career but also on on any given week yeah um you know around a good performance or you know the reflection of a good performance or a poor performance mm. and and how that takes its toll and how that's analyzed not just from a performance point of view but also from a mental health point of view yeah it was, it's interesting studying sports science at Loughborough sort of 15 20 years ago now actually but there was obviously a swing in the last 20 30 years towards positive preemptive yeah. health physically in sport in terms of training programs being very scientific and how you peak and how you don't overtrain and and all that goal setting and aspects to it um probably not in the in the wider society i'm sure we're all aware of, of things with the virus as well of comorbidities obesity type 2 diabetes how they've been been um increasing in society and how we've kind of been reactive in the west to, he- to physical health conditions in sport we were i think more proactive about planning the physical side of it perhaps as you say though and I think the conversation still is a little bit in the wider society and in sport reactive, like it's, you know, the big message is if you have a problem, talk about it. But I suppose what you're saying is that when a sports person or a, a regular person thinks about their life, they think about how do I stave off physical illness? Well, I have this exercise program, I nutritionally do this, but mentally I have this discipline and this sort of framework of thinking. Is that is that the key? The, the, we actually have a proactive approach to to figuring out how we'll approach life psychologically and our training, be it sport or, or, our, or our job in whatever career we do. James, I think I've just lost you. Let me just send you a, a text. Hello, James. Hi, Ed. How are you? I just, <laughs> yeah, I, I just listened back. We lost you there. I was in the middle of a long sort of uh, question <laughs> to you, ram, rambling on, and then realised uh, realised you weren't there. But it's it's good to good to get you back up. This is the this is the wonderment of the the new world. The sort of uh, the aspects. Uh, we're probably about half a mile from each other as well. So it's the bizarre nature of it. We could, could you know ideally do it in in person and would have done before before yeah. now. But I was just yeah, I was just kind of waxing lyrical about the concept of, of preemptive health and how maybe in sport physically we've, we've we've kind of cornered that or have you know been aware of the importance of planning our training not to overtrain goals yeah. that kind of stuff yeah. and maybe meant in, in wider society the physical stuff we talked about the Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival when I was a host there we're still lagging behind a little bit with the, the wider society we're very reactive to to issues around type 2 diabetes and obesity and, and how we deal with problems maybe we don't have a the general public don't always have a physical plan, but in sport, that's that mental plan. At the moment, the message is let's talk about it, as you say, when we break down. Do you think, um, is that the key health message, the holistic message is let's think about life and, and how we tackle modern life? Yeah, I think I think it is. And, it, you know, which is which is why it's sort of interesting. I think our model's interesting because 
you know, coaching relies on coaches. Um, mm. and, and those people, you know, really skilled ones are, are brilliant. But the reality is there's, there's not enough of them for everybody to have access to a coach. So what, what we do is we set up peer coaching networks. So we, we train people in aspects of positive psychology and mm. then provide them with a really prescriptive sort of coaching methodology that, that lay people can use. Um, because mm. as, as you as you allude to, you know, one of the things that we're really conscious of is this isn't, you know, it, it's a specific issue with the police and with the military, you know, really high stress jobs. It's a it's an issue in education, but actually it's a it's a society issue. Mm. Um, and that issue has been exaggerated in the current crisis. Um, you know, people people are quite rightly concerned about, you know, mental health and well-being. Mm. Um, and and there are tools out there, you know, that sort of you know the real focus on, um, you know, mindfulness and and um, meditation, mm. uh, and, and those things are, are absolutely great. But but you know, our feeling is that if we're if we're truly going to commit to, um, you know, looking after each other's mental health and looking after our own mental health, mm. um, you know, then occasionally you need something. You know, you need something a bit more than that, mm. um, because you know that that is the reality of the society that we that we live in. So, um, you know that that idea of being proactive and getting on the front foot, and as you say, having you know having the tool in your tool bag is how mm. we describe it. You may never need it, you might never need to use it, um, but actually, what we find is once people have received the training and they can use the, the coaching tool. Um, actually, they they use it all of the time because it because it's really effective. It's really impactful. Mm. Um, and I, you know, our feeling is that you know, let's say we, we we work a lot with with the police and the military across the world, actually. But our feeling is it probably has a use in sports sectors, but more broadly, it has a use in society. Mm. You know, we have to be better at looking after our physical health, as you say. And and I think probably we have made some strides forward in that area. Yeah, sectors of society. Um, but actually, increasingly, you know, I think people are looking looking at actually in a in a stressful, full on world that's very complex. How can we also support people to look after their mental health mm. in a proactive way? Um, and you know, we think we think positive psychology has got a role to play in that. Is it, is um, it, yeah, well, I'll ask you for a definition of, of what you see as positive psychology in a second. But it's one thing that resonated with me across all sectors of you referring to head teachers and the difficulty to ever switch off from that. And I think that's been accelerated and exasperated for most of us with the, the current technology, which is fantastic for yep. na- navigating the, the remote working and stuff with Zoom. And we've talked about, we alluded to that at the top, but actually um, the ability to switch off and, and get that sort of downtime is, is tricky. Was, is that something that you had to create an inner discipline about, like a proactive plan about how you switch on and how you switch off? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it, it takes time because it's, you, you know, you, you can't just switch. It's not just like flicking a switch. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's I think that's that's part of the challenge. You know, it's it's finding that that thing that works for you, that enables you to to do that, you know, reasonably quickly. I used to find, um, you know, in some respects still do, you know, I used to find it takes me two or three days you know, so at a, at a half-term holiday or, you know, one of the holidays in the school year, you know, you're still working, but, you know, mm. at the point at which you are on holiday with your family, mm. um, you know, I would certainly find that it would take me two or three days to really switch off, yeah. to, you know, really switch from one, you know, from professional to, to the personal. 
Yeah, and not to check your email and things. Yeah, so exactly. Tempting, yeah. aren't they, when your yeah. phone's, when your phone's well, there? It's there all the time. You know, it's, it's present all of the time. And, and there are huge advantages towards being connected. Um, but, you know, there are, from a mental health and well-being point of view, there are disadvantages to that. Mm. Um, you know, and there's, there's been a lot of research around that, certainly with, with childhood and adolescence, you know, around that, that period in your life where you're really finding out about yourself and your relationships, um, you know, that, that need to always be present on, on social media platforms, you know, that sort of fear of missing out, FOMO, you know, yeah. being worried about what your friends are doing and are they talking on a social media platform and you're not part of it. Mm. You know, I think, I think that's incredibly hard for young people to deal with. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, back in, back in my day, uh, you know, if you, if you didn't want to talk to your friends or, you, you know, you, you weren't going to see them. No. Um, then, then, you know, that was really easy to achieve. Yeah, um, <laughs> you, you, had to, you had to speak to their parents on the landline, didn't you? Yeah, so exactly. You had to, yeah, had the courage Absolutely. to phone up and say, "Is, is, Jim, is, Jim, is Jimmy there, please?" Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, you know, and that that's become, you know, and there are all again, there are all sorts of advantages to it, and I think you know that's part of the positive psychology is, you know, let's let's look at what is positive about this and celebrate it, but let's also recognise what's not, mm. um, and you know, I think I think that's really important that that we give people the tools and the ability and the permission to switch off. Yeah. You know, because that, that's, that's really key because often it's about giving people the permission. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, fasc- well, it's fascinating. The reason I sort of started this podcast as a sort of side project was, is, was kind of wondering why I'd still been obsessed with sport deep into my thirties and the parallels between sports and life. And I think listening to you there, one thing that, that resonates with head teachers and really brings to mind the transition a lot of uh, people in football go from, which is from player to coach and how suddenly yeah. they, they find they're not doing two hours work a day, which is obviously intense physical work, but now they're on all the time speaking to agents, speaking, yeah. you know, plotting, speaking to fellow coaches and the technology enabled that to almost be 24 seven. If you aren't able to, to ration it. And then ultimately you get to a situation where you're not, you're less productive because you're in constant yes. communication than you actually were were before so it's it's a complex picture but when you say positive psychology what would be your kind of definition of that if it's possible to to do it in a in a sort of short succinct way um i think i mean that you know it's a it's a it's sort of emerging field positive psychology and I, you know i say that with with emerging being a sort of you know 15 20 year timeline yeah um you, you know but in, in many regards the sort of research around it is still it is still emerging and it's still quite new i think what what we think um you know within our armor is that is that we've turned that into something practical that can be used you know at the chalk face or, or you know at the front line yeah um and for us it's about you know if i, if I was going to sort of sum it up in a nutshell from our point of view it's you know it's it's not all about sort of being happy all of the time Mm. And that that in itself is actually part of the problem, this sort of pursuit of happiness mm. um, that, that we all go through through life and this, you know, the pursuit of, of satisfaction and happiness. So, you yeah. know, I think for me, it's about, it's about, it's about actually, it's about dealing with the negative things in your life. Yeah. Um, and, but doing it in a, in a, with a positive framing. Mm. Um, and, and accepting them for what they were. So, so actually it's not, it's not all about, being positive all of the time or being happy all of the time yeah um, but through doing that process you know our view is what you can do is sort of you know if uh, on a scale of minus five to plus five yeah you know you can spend you can spend more of your life above the line than below the line yeah 
you know, if you were if you were assessing really simply your your mental health and well being, your stress levels. Yes. Um, and that's so you know for us that's what it's all about. It's obviously a lot more complex than that, mm. um, but it's about it's about giving people the tools to be able to rationalize, think through, process, and then find solutions to the things that are causing them trouble. Yeah. And some of those things may be really historical, mm-hmm. um, but but you know some of those things may be working relationships or that you know it's, it's things that are very much in the present day. Yeah, they're the they're the things that we don't deal with very well. Yeah, and we gloss over, and you know, we smooth over it, or we ignore it until it builds to be a much bigger problem. So, what, 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 yeah, when you're speaking to teachers, military, and police, is it generally workplace trauma that's that's impacting them, or the inability to be in the moment because of past concerns or future worries about things coming up, or is it more? Because we often, obviously, it's a pop psychology. It always is, is kind of referenced back to our childhood, isn't it? And it's some sort of hidden trauma from from there that maybe affects our self-esteem or confidence what what have you found is most common or is there not a common thread? there's not there's not really a common thread it's an interesting mix is what i would say i mean certainly when we do the training which is pretty intense i mean effectively we're training people to be able to do the coaching yeah um but when we do the training you know we're, we're modeling the coaching process all of the time so the inner armor coaching is being modeled during the training Mm. And when when we do that with a group of you know up to twenty five people, um, some some it does tend to be some fairly big stuff that comes out, yeah. Um, and a lot of that stuff can be historical, you know. And it'll be you know if it's police, it tends to be things that you know the first time they 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 saw somebody who'd been killed or they'd been to a house fire or whatever it might be, mm. you know. But it's pretty traumatic stuff, yeah. Um, and it, and it's interesting because the, the the police tend to use a sort of um, they tend to use a sort of generic terminology for it. So a lot of them will talk about bagging it and tagging it, yeah, and throwing it in the back of their head. Um, and that you know that when they talk about it, you sort of you know, and they because they're doing the training, they're sort of realizing that that you know they've not actually dealt with it. They think mm. they have, yeah, but actually they haven't. Yeah, and 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 what happens over time is the more of those bags you've got. And as the bags get older, they tend to leak. Yeah. Um, and and so what we tend to find is on the training, we're dealing with some pretty big issues mm. um, from people's past. But actually, that's not necessarily the point of the coaching. Yeah. The point of the coaching is to use it on a regular basis to deal with those micro things, so, so those you, little things. So you're teaching people how to cope with those memories because it's not because often we sort of talk about talking about the memories, but presumably you're going there's a process you then have to, to confront those memories and, and deal with them rather than just bring them up once and put them yeah. back. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, you know, there's, with the coaching model, that there are a series of um, really carefully selected interventions which are also based around positive psychology thinking. Mm. Um, and and the, what the coaching does is it takes people through, you know, the identification of the issue. Yeah, uh, whether it's historical, you know, and big, or whether it's it's present and small. Yeah, um, but but you know, we always leave people with a um, and and teach them to to leave themselves and each other with a solution, so with a plan for action, which is mm. you know what good coaching should do. Um, and you know, it, it's it's interesting. You know, we've we've got you know we've got situations that we've that have come up on the training process. Mm. You know, and it, they they are things that people have you know they've struggled to deal with for years. Yeah. Um, and the, but they suddenly find themselves actually, yeah, you know, I, I went and did that thing that you suggested as the intervention. Yeah. And I, I just feel lighter. And, yeah. You know, for me, a, 
a very particular moment was with a with a police officer who um in the metropolitan police in london and you know he was he'd not dealt with a, a house fire um mm. that he'd that he'd that he'd um presented at um mm. and where he'd seen you know a, 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 a you know a, a really terrible situation small child having to jump from a window oh wow uh, you know just just horrific and yep. you know during the coaching the floods of tears but you know, the, the coaching happens over a period of days. Sorry, the training happens over a period of days. And the next week I saw him because we were doing a training day a week, you know, sort of talked to him about, you know, how, how are you feeling? Yeah. Um, and he said, I just, he said, I feel so much lighter. I feel so much better. I've done that action. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he was, he was like a different person. And so it's really impactful. Mm. It doesn't shy away from the negative things that happen in our lives, but it helps people to do something about it. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that that's why it's impactful. Mm. Um, and it's sustainable and scalable because effectively you're teaching people to do that for each other. Yeah. So, you know, they're not reliant on us. They, they can do so, you know, in a sports team, you know, you could arguably have a situation where everybody's trained and then they're, they're coaching each other. Yes. Um, and the, but they're, you know, short sort of 35, 40 minute conversations that are really impactful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's that's where we think the power is because it's because they're peer coaching networks. Mm. You can scale that up really quickly and it could become a really effective tool for society. Mm. It's um, some, it's some, yeah. Sometimes like we are kind of like stones gathering sort of mental moss, aren't we? Because I, I, I had a sort of um, a, a, an experience becoming a father was quite stressful at 32, 33. And I remember because I was going through sort of uncertainty at work that actually, I suddenly hit a bit of a brick wall about a year later. And I was still working and still doing things were fine, but I actually had a friend refer me to, on the surface, a spiritual healer, but actually she did some woo-woo stuff, some shaman-like stuff, which actually yes. kind, of, kind of worked, but it was whatever she was doing was, was right. But she actually said she used NLP on me, which yeah. is neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah. I don't know whether, is that something you incorporate? Because that, that, I went to a day seminar about that. The only thing that put me off a little bit about NLP per se was it was very much marketed to salespeople, almost to, you know, not to be too harsh, but to like <laughs> trick other people into buying stuff. So I was sort of thinking, well, I don't want to trick anyone into anything, but it's that kind of, uh, you know, to influence positively situations you're in. But apparently there is a way of, I think they're almost a hypnotherapic kind of a- aspect to it where you kind of unravel memories and, and th- is there any connection with with what you're doing like that yeah we do we you know we do, we do a bit of that um it's not nlp no um you know but but there is an element in the coaching of of helping people to you know shake loose the thing that's causing them the problem yeah you no know, I mean, and, and the issue with you know previously experienced stressful situations you know whether they're over a long period of time or whether they're one-offs you know, they become a bit like splinters, you know, stuck in your skin. If you don't, if you don't deal with it, it's going to form an abscess around it. And, and what we do is, you know, through the coaching methodology, yeah. you know, people, people can work out what that thing is. Uh, mm. So they're really prescriptive questions that help the person to identify what that thing is that is bothering them. Yeah. Um, however, you know, big or small that thing is. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not NLP, but it's certainly you know, through the, through the structured questions. Yeah. Um, it is, it is very much about helping people to identify actually, yeah, that's the issue that I perhaps haven't recognized. Mm. Um, and, and so therefore that's the thing that I'm now going to do something about. Yeah. 
um, and, and that that's part of the process. But so it's it's effective because it's because it's so simple. Mm. You know, it's 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 there's a lot of stuff that sits behind it that has, has enabled it to be so simple. Um, yeah. But um, you know, there's a there's a whole body of positive psychology research that sits behind it. Yes. But it's it's effective in its simplicity and it's you know it's effective in its impact. Yeah. Simple um, simple things are the best, aren't they? Often it's yeah, um, absolutely. Physical and I think it, it's sometimes people are aware of those traumatic memories but don't know how to exorcise them per se, do they? And I think that can help. If someone yeah. offers them just a method of, of doing that, then that yeah. can often be... Because you can often, like with that circular thought thing, you can over-exaggerate a problem and, and, and build it up. Which is... and, 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 or, the, or they think they have dealt with it, yeah. which is often the case. Yeah. You know, I, I thought I was dealing with my stress as yeah. a head teacher. I thought I was dealing with it really well. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, it became apparent in that last year of headship. Actually, I wasn't. Um, yeah. And that was becoming an increasing concern for my wife and my family. Yes. Um, you know, that, that actually it's clear that I wasn't dealing with it. Mm. And, and, you know, that's, I, I'm not unusual. Mm. You know, we all think we're bulletproof. Um, and, you know, in the past we've referred to it as, you know, we've referred to the, the sort of coaching as, you know, almost mental health insurance, mm. you know, have it in your tool bag for when you do need it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you can, if you can use it on a, on a regular basis, as part of a mental health maintenance program, mm. um, you know, then that, that actually that's even better still. Yeah, because that's the whole point. You know, we want people to be experiencing their life above zero, uh, mm. you know, between zero and five, um, you know, rather than below zero. Um, and that's you know, if people, if people, if we can help people to do that, um, and, and you know, and absolutely all the evidence is that we can, then that's great. Yeah. Um, you know, accepting that you can't be five all the time. That's not life. No. You know, life comes with, you know, as you say, that you know, the stone gathers moss, you know, the, the, the body gathers scars. Um, yeah. You know, that's, and I think sometimes that's what people think positive psychology is. You know, it's about, it's about pretending that we your get... life, your life is brilliant. <laughs> and, you know, everything's great all of yeah. the time. Well, no, clearly it's not. You know, yeah. that would be a really daft way of looking at life. It, you no. know, all sorts of curveballs are thrown your way. Um, and it's we can't all, predict most of them. It's kind of a training attitude, isn't it? It's about progressing and ex- thinking you can improve not only people in the physical realm, you can be stronger if you lift more weights, you can be faster yeah. if you do this, but in the yeah. mental realm, you can cope better with life and, and be a more effective person, I think. Is yeah, the, absolutely. It's a general sort of outlook, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, you know, what's interesting we do, because we do it with groups of people, um, mm. and it's interesting when we see this, you see the ripple effect of it. Yeah. You, you know, you train that group of people, but then they start to influence those around them. Yes. You know, so you, you create these sort of circles of influence. Um, and that's, you know, that's part of the joy for us because, you know, you do some really intensive work with a group of people, but then they go and impact on the people around them. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and you, you know, therefore you're making, you know, through one, one sort of intense training input, you're making every, you know, you're making lots of people's lives better. Yes. And I think it, the, the, the popular psychology is interesting in society and the messages, which don't get me wrong, aren't wrong per se. It's a bit like, you know, the, the messages at the moment around physical health or wash your hands. We're not talking yeah. about optimizing our immune system and nutritional stuff because that's too complex a message. But I yeah. think sometimes around the psychology aspect is actually I'd had issues in my childhood that I'd talked about with my wife, but hadn't yet helped me as much because we had, a, you know, I didn't want to burden her. She's my wife and things like that. Yeah. And it was a difficult yeah. thing where it's actually a neutral person, someone who's doing it either pro- professionally or with a sort of 
a detachedness actually can help sometimes. Is that what you found with people who may have been laboring with, with a psychological issue? Yeah, totally. And, you know, one of the things that we're always really careful of in our explaining is that, you know, empathy can be empathy can be a real problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, we talk about, you know, the situations where, I don't know, somebody's going through a divorce and they're talking to somebody who's been through a divorce and they go, oh, yeah, I know exactly how you're feeling. <laughs> and of course, that's not true. No. Um, so actually, the you know, the coaching, the coaching methods is actually, you know, it's delivered quite cold. Um, you know, and not in, not in a cruel sense, but it's quite matter of fact. Yeah. Um, because actually, the, you know, empathizing can be dangerous. Um, yeah. and, and therefore, we encourage people not to do that. You follow the script of the questions. Uh, okay. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's really important, you know, you, that, that you do that. But those questions are delivered, mm. you know, and you, you listen carefully to the answers and then you move on to the next question. Um, and you reframe and reflect things back to the person that you're coaching all of the time. But what you don't do is empathize with them. And this has had a profound effect on you personally, hasn't it? Since you, you had that experience of, I suppose, mental fatigue with, with yeah. being a head teacher. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was, I was fortunate to, you know, the, the TV program gave me, gave me access to all sorts of people. But, you know, one of the person was, was Al McGregor, who... Um, you know, who is the founder of, of Inarama and, you know, we've worked, we've worked together on it since, but, you know, it's been, it's been hugely impactful for me, mm. um, you know, but in recognizing, also in recognizing that actually I'm still, de- you know, two years down the line, I'm still dealing with it. Yes. You know, my, my patience levels are not what they used to be. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's, that's also an important part so of it. Is that, you know, defensive, there's no... Defensiveness, yeah, brittle, yeah. brittle, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that, that kind of sense of exhaustion and, and stress, that still exists for me. Mm. Um, and, and that's where we, you know, we, we talk a lot in our society and increasingly people are aware of, you know, post-traumatic stress disorders. Yeah. Um, you know, our approach is, is well, actually, let's turn that into post-traumatic growth. Yeah. You know, I can't be the person I was six years ago. Yes. That's not possible. Yeah. You know, too much has happened. There's, you know, and that is true of anybody. Mm. Um, and so part of the process is recognizing that, you, you know, you're always evolving and building a new version of yourself. Yeah. Well, actually, let's help you to make that version of yourself, you know, better than the other one. Mm. But with the scars and with the things that have happened to you. Yes. You know, rather than pretending they didn't happen, yeah, they're trying it, to remove yeah. them. Because NLP can try and delete memories, can't it, I think? Which yeah. Is and, strange you know, things, that, yeah. yeah. You know, we're, we're about sort of, you know, almost embracing it, mm. you know, and, 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 you know, we'll all have been there. You know, you can't, as I say, you can't go through life without picking them up. Mm. Um, and so that, you know, that's a really important part of the process for us is sort of going, well, okay, well, we'll help you embrace it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's we'll, part of who you are. We'll get, we'll get the... Um, in the you know text me or the information about inner armor and, and how people can find out more about that and i'll put it in the the show notes as well the synopsis but in terms of any tips for people here what are your thoughts general tips on, on psychological health because one that's become apparent to me actually since the lockdown and my reduced shifts and less extreme shifts at sky sports has been that a lot of my health and kind of a ability to take on new things has been helped by more sleep so yes. it's, yeah, it's yeah. actually like i've realized that a lot of the, the mental angst that's oh hang on a minute if i have more rest and i know i've read matthew you know listened to matthew yeah. walker the sleep yeah. expert from the university of, of berkeley and he he's long sort of been banging this drum and you think hang on a minute this is what i remember feeling like about 15 years ago but oh it's because <laughs> i've just had more rest and now i can you know, take up skipping or learn to poach an egg because I've got more mental space to, to yeah. do it. It's a straight, yeah. it's a silly thing, but suddenly I feel more 
eager to take on more learning opportunities now than I did maybe two months ago when I was probably just yeah. quite, quite knackered. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and that would be, you know, that would be my, my reflections and, and my advice. Mm. You know, I think, I, I think sometimes <laughs> it's sometimes we can really overcomplicate our lives, Yeah. but actually, you know, that we, we physically and mentally need some, some really basic things, a good night's sleep, mm. um, you know, to eat well, uh, yeah. to exercise regularly you know, to, to, to put your, to put your mobile phone down, mm. um, you know, for an appropriate period during the day and, and, you know, certainly to switch it off a good hour and a half, two hours before you're going to go to bed. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and the thing is we, I suppose part of the problem is we kind of know that, <laughs> yeah. you know, in the same way that we know that going for a run or going to the gym is going to keep yeah. us physically fit. It's, it's taking responsibility, isn't it? It's taking, it? yeah, it's yeah. taking responsibility and ownership of it. And I think actually, as you allude to, you know, what's happened in lockdown is people have been forced to take ownership of it. Mm. The space has been created for people to reflect and go, actually, yeah, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to exercise more. You know, yeah. actually, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm going to bed. Interesting. I'm going to bed later. Yes. Um, but actually, I'm getting better sleep mm. because because I'm not getting up at half five every morning, which is what I used to do. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah. staying in bed till sort of seven eight o'clock. Yeah. Um. So you, you less less adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. my days my day's been rebalanced. Probably in line. Probably more in line with my body clock, my internal body clock. Yeah. Whereas, you know, previously I was, you know, going to bed earlier, getting the same amount of sleep, but the quality of that sleep probably wasn't as good mm. um, because it, you know, not, not fitting my, my internal body clock. And I think it's those, it's, it's those things. And there are no simple solutions. You know, we can't live in lockdown forever. No. Um, and, but it's recognizing those things and then trying to make simple adjustments yeah. in your life that will enable you to play better to your sort of internal harmonics mm. and the positive um, of, yeah the positive of the, the relaxing of lockdowns it seems to be incremental so it allows us to maybe uh, introduce those aspects we've learned in the past couple of months that have been positive into the the more normal everyday life although some people are speculating that you know working from home for example will become a lot more normal practice and and people will have yeah more flexibility because of that perhaps more energy yeah absolutely um but also you know again sort of applying um you know positive psychology rules to it but there are also downsides to it yeah you know working from home as you'll know i've certainly found um you know over the last two years but increasingly in the last 10 weeks mm. you know it can be difficult to to have a division between home life and work yes life. very true um and actually you know making sure that you recognize that and then you've got a method in place to to, to you know, right i say i'm turning off now um i'm yeah. clearing that space away and now i'm in home mode um, yeah. you know, or in parent mode or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, it's about, I suppose it's about seeing the pitfalls ahead of you and, and, you know, trying to navigate your way around them or over the top of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there are, you know, there are clearly huge advantages to working from home, you know, mm. to just commuting time. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, actually, time, yeah. but actually there was some advantage. You know, I used to commute to, to my school from here. Mm. Um, you know, that was a 45, 40, 45 minute journey there and back every morning, every and every evening. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, that's, that's an hour and a half of my day. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Actually, there were some advantages. Listen, you know, listen, to, to, listen to podcasts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I used, yeah. yeah use the, the time effectively. But actually more so than that, it enabled me to have a real break between my work life and my home life. Yeah. So I had 45 minutes in the car where anything that was really bothering me on the way to work, I could work it out. 
Mm. Or if I was on the way home, I could work it out. So I wasn't then offloading on my wife. Yeah. Yeah, there's an, um, ideal, there's an ideal commute time, isn't there? I think it's probably yes, about half an hour or so. It is, about not, 30 minutes a day. Yeah, not too draining, but it does give you that distance. Yeah, so I think it's, it's about, you know, it's, I think sometimes we can be the, the sort of pursuit of happiness stuff. We can be lulled into, there's this perfect life yeah. that you can live. Destination. Uh, and, yeah. and actually, there isn't. You know, there isn't a destination. There isn't a perfect life. It's just your life. Mm. Um, and it's the, I think it's recognizing that and then doing the things that you can do, um, you know, to, to make that life, you know, resonate for yourself and for those around you. Mm. Um, and that, you know, they're often, you know, they're often simple tweaks, getting yeah. more sleep, eating healthily, you know, the, the link between the, the link between physical health and mental health is, you know, as a, as a physiological thing, I think is increasingly being researched and understood you know, in terms of the link between your brain and, and your body and the impact that stress can have on you physically, yeah. you know, in terms of your physical health is increasingly being understood at a, you know, at a, at a cellular level. Yeah. Um, and, and that, you know, that research is ongoing and, um, you know, but I think, I think that the reason why I allude to that is because I think we often think that mental health, you know, we just need to resolve our mental health. Mm. Um, well, actually, that's easier to do when you're physically healthy. Yeah. Um, but it's also it's also recognizing that you know it isn't just about your mental health. Your mental health is going to have an impact on you physically over time. Yeah. Um, and you know some of that some of that physical impact can be quite severe. Yeah. You know, people are researching links between mental health and stress and cancers. Mm. Um, and that's you know it's it's recognizing that yeah. as a as a longer term gain resolve your mental health now and maintain your mental health now because actually physically that's going to be much better for you in the long run as well yeah it's, it's fascinating how things can spiral i mean even around sleep and the, the worse sleep you get the sort of harder it is sometimes to yeah. sleep because you're pumping totally. adrenaline and, and cortisol and yeah and all those kind of um, physiological factors which then plays into your mental health because you're yeah your brain's not not sort of decluttering and not having that that recuperation which is fascinating i think yeah, yeah generally it's great listening talking to you because i think it's uh, an outlook on life of maybe returning to childhood because we've got young kids and you watch them growing and it's a natural process for them they're taking on new boundaries yeah. Yeah. And new frontiers and new new skills whereas sometimes we reach adulthood and we sort of shrink and think this is me i can't yeah, yeah. i can't i've shaped, my, I've shaped yeah. myself that's yeah. it yeah yeah but maybe um, you know but actually we revisit that and think no we can always tweak things and, and, and yeah. kind of improve but how, how can we find out about inner armor james give us a shout to the, to the yeah best so to um so inner armor website um, um and i'll send you i'll send you the link for that uh yeah. active active on twitter uh, i'm active on twitter so you know people can connect to it via me james pope uh yeah at pope at pope james on twitter okay um so you know but more than more than happy to sort of connect people to it um, you know, and I'm just sort of picking up on that last point around sleep. You know, I, I suppose the point is we can't always manage those things. Yeah. Um, and actually what the coaching does is help you to. Yeah. Because we can't manage those things. No, actually, so, to, yeah, you know, if you can, if you, about a bad night. Yeah. That's, that's why I don't document yeah. my sleep. Because I think if I wake up in the morning and say, oh, I had a bad night's uh, sleep, it's just going to stress me out for the rest yeah, of the Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think part of the process is going, we don't always have the solutions. But actually, you know, if we can help each other find the solutions, the whole point of the peer coaching networks, let's help each other find the solutions. Because often they're in there somewhere. Mm. You know, the, the thing that's causing you the lack of sleep in the first place is probably unidentified. Yeah. It's in there somewhere, and you know the coaching can help you identify what it is. So, um, yeah. So, via, you know, via the Inner Armour website, um, be you know, uh, um, 
um, or via my website and on inspired educate um mm. is, is my website and there's a you know for educationalists listening out there there's a link to there on there is a specific page for um inner armor ed as we call it inner armor education yeah um so there's a there's a link on there so um yeah but delighted to work with you know groups of people um you know we we know we've got it right when we go in and we train a group of people and you know we do a bit of quality assurance around the use of the conversations but you know we then leave yeah um, you know it's not it's not a long-term relationship um we we train people we give them the we give them the psychology tools and, and we give them the coaching tools specifically um and then they can you know they can structure that and use it however they want so Mm. Um, and that you know that's why it's sort of really scalable and sustainable because it you, we're effectively we're helping people to coach each other yeah well it's a fascinating project and definitely um a philanthropic one in that in that way as we we just alluded to the, the course of our upbringing and and reaching adulthood how much the world's changed and so much of that is positive as we're seeing with zoom and skype and yes, this, this and anchor but it's it's throwing up new mental challenges all the time yeah, for us completely. so it's, yeah so it's a new world but james thank you so much i think with that brief intermission, we've done pretty much uh, an hour there. So fantastic, that's great. Thank you, Not I really appreciate it. Well, uh, um, th- thank you, Ed. And yeah, um, send, me those forward- de- send me those. I'll send details. you the details. I'll, I'll look forward to seeing you in the playground <laughs> at some some point in the future. Yeah, yeah. What well, one point? What two meters? Six two feet? Meter, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever it might be. <laughs> fantastic Brilliant stuff. Great Cheers, stuff, James. Ed. Thank you. Thanks ever so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Great chat, James Pope, former head teacher. They're now positive psychology consultant, coach. Um, Definitely think there's something about having an open mind to all terms of development and improvement, which actually homeschooling my daughter over the past two months uh, or co-homeschooling her along with my wife, who's done a a lot too, has been seeing the, the kind of vast increase in her ability to write, to read. She's learned to ride a bike. She's five years old. She's going through this huge expansion, which is just natural. She's conquering new frontiers and listening to James there and talking about how we can coach our psychology to be more open to developing ourselves, to looking at what's maybe holding us back, impeding us. And it might be I've found you know, profound improvement in my capacity to take on new information, new things, just because I've been sleeping more, I've had more of a regularized pattern, less 3 a.m. get-ups, less 2 a.m. going to bed, um, which when you've got a young girl who's getting up at six or seven every morning is always going to be interrupted your night's sleep when, you, when you're not in a sort of regularised pattern. I think is, you know, I've opened myself to new things and, and found, obviously, there's a lot of anxiety and uncertainty in the mood, but that's created an opportunity for me to be more open to learning and being around young people, which James obviously has been a lot, I wonder whether that's had an influence on his outlook towards that continued learning, be it sort of academic aspects or just trying to work on our physical health, our mental health, our ability to to cope with life and become better people and not in a sort of let's shout about on instagram how much better we are but more kind of um just internally how we respect and review ourselves and think am i improving on that might be more thoughtful am i being uh more open to to new challenges learning new skills i think it's it's great and i'll put all the links to james's work in the synopsis to his website to inner armor's website and do get in touch if you can't reach him at Pope James, I believe is his Twitter handle he mentioned there. Reach out to me on social media, eddraper81 on Twitter, ed underscore draper81 on Instagram. On the note of that, I will at some point on my Instagram stories point, uh, post 
a link to the or a picture of the supplements that I take from Cytoplan on a daily basis and have done for the best part of two decades, thanks to my father working with the company and helping devise those food-based supplements, which I think are, you know, anecdotally have, um, and whether that's, you know, people will point to a placebo effect, but certainly my immunity seems to have been pretty strong in terms of optimizing it and not picking up too many coughs and colds, particularly as at times my work as a broadcaster has been quite intense shift work. I think um, I believe in them and you can get a 10% discount at cytoplan.co.uk with the discount code Draper, my last name, capital letters, Draper, D-R-A-P-E-R, number 10. And a shout out once more to Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in audio equipment and installations and very much open to conversations. At the moment, I believe still through social media, Bang & Olufsen, Cheltenham, uh, their sort of Twitter account, Instagram account, through the website, Jason Briggs' mobile phone, they will be able to consult with you on any issues, any kind of existing problems with equipment or new equipment that you'd like to source. They'll be very candid as well because not only recommending Bang & Olufsen equipment, but through Serene AV, they source all the top kind of entertainment equipment, put in entertainment systems, so televisual stuff as well, I believe. So the whole range of stuff they can offer. So big shout out to them. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Thanks for James Pope for being on it. Thank you for you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoy these and it's a work in progress, a sideline for me for my day job as a sports broadcaster in the UK. But if you do can if you do enjoy it and you can rate it on iTunes, I would appreciate it. And spread the word as well. Pass it on because I think that's more important in terms of building a listenership, is getting recommendations from you if you if you enjoy it. More meaningful than me plastering social media with it to try and um, get attention. Because that always seems to be short lived if, if you do that anyway. It's about people who genuinely like it referring it. Anyway, guys, I hope you're well. I hope the lockdown is treating you too, not too harshly in terms of health, be it physical, mental, and indeed financial. I hope uh, you have a good weekend coming up and get in touch if you've got any thoughts. And I hope to uh, speak to you again very soon. Got a couple of podcasts coming up with Matchroom's head of performance, physical trainer, Dan Lawrence, who's been on the podcast before, obviously been training some elite boxers, including John Ryder, who was a recent guest on the podcast. To talk to him and trying to get my dad on at some point as well, Dr. Mark Draper, nutritionist, GP, doctor in the Cotswolds about the coronavirus situation and any thoughts on building our health going on from here as well as, as James was alluding to there that we may have to live with this in our midst in some level for a while to come until if they find a vaccine. Cheers guys, take care, bye-bye.